Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Bridge over the uh, over the over the Holly River. Look, and and Warsaw, or excuse me, Washoe County in Nevada. We're spending eighty-nine billion dollars to add several lanes. No, this is going to have a major impact on the environment. What we're doing, specifically reducing carbon in the air as we begin to move these five hundred thousand charging stations around the world. I mean, around the country, and ultimately, it's going to take millions of barrels of oil off the road because people said, wait a minute, I'm not sure we want to put those thousand gallon drums under the, under the ground here, you know, in my neighborhood. But every gas station that got built, what happens? All of a sudden you have a fast food store nearby. All of a sudden you have you build the community. Well, what we're doing with these charging stations is the same thing my grandpa did. I'm not joking. Think about it. You're building communities, little tiny communities. It builds the region. It takes care of things. Sir, there's been criticism. There's been criticism that this was. There's been criticism that this. Sir, Mr. President, Mr. President, there has been criticism. Mr. President, there has been criticism that this was an overreaction that was done because of political pressure. You turn my off and ask the question. We have more polite people. Mr. President, why have you chosen Poland for your trip to mark anniversary of the war? And what's your message? What? And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 17th of February, year of our Lord, 2023. Was not planning on doing a podcast, but then I was thrown out so my wife could watch the Murdoch trial. And I got a new mic. What the hell? I'll put one together. That was the greatest communicator in the White House. I just want to make sure we, we hit that point with that gibberish bullshit this guy puts down daily. And sadly, um, our media just don't even comment. But once again, Trump was mentally deranged. He was getting psychiatrists checked over the TV and all sorts of crazy shit during his time. And we don't say anything about fucking Igor here. Yeah. Sadly, there's sad news happened um, in Tennessee, a Tennessee National Guard helicopter crash. And I hate showing things like this, but this is some of the shocking video. There'll be two videos today that are very shocking. This one and a disclaimer when we go into our lefty today. We're just going to cover the derailment, uh, Don Lemon skit, and uh, Yamichi and the regular media garbage. And then a long sec on lefty extremism because it just hit me as I was searching something. I found 900 articles about science and racism. It just spurred me to do a section on today. But in the beginning of that, there's a picture of an aborted baby. It's a video. And it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'm going to play it. I'll rewarn again. Turn away if you don't want to see it. 
You won't be able to hear it if you're just listening to podcasts. It's fucking horrible. But it shows how they distill down things for their their ideology. You know, a baby's not a baby. That's just how they work. But this first one, the helicopter, I've been in two helicopter crashes. One was on takeoff. And one was going up a huge mountain and we fell out of the fucking sky and I was too young to understand what was going on. And then we landed, auto-rotated, and they put me on another helicopter. It was two weeks, or it was a week after I got married, at a four-day weekend. And then I went up in a helicopter and we were attacking the silos in uh, Fort Richardson, old Titan nukes. And it was always a shit mission because you're, you know, you land on the only draw they can put you in. You climb the mountain kill the fuckers, take it over, defend it in place, and then never get helicoptered out. We have to walk down like six miles to get into vehicles to go get transplanted someplace else at Fort Richardson because it was always a snowstorm would come in. It happened every fucking time. And uh, that one was more scary than the takeoff. The takeoff, you really didn't know. You lifted and you fell. And we were fine because we were seats in. If it would have happened at Fort Campbell, I'd be walking with a bigger limp the rest of my life. But I've never seen this kind of crash and something catastrophically went wrong. These are the two warriors who did perish in that flight. Um, you know, it was written up nice in local media how they purposely avoided hitting buildings, but that ro- a rotor fell off. The only thing that can make you do that is you lost lift. And if you lost lift in a Blackhawk, that means you're missing a rotor. And if you hear the way the engine is cranking, it was speeding up as it was falling down. Because it was off balance. I, I will bet a paycheck a rotor broke or fell off to make a helicopter do that. Nose in. I've never heard that sound on a helicopter. Granted, I wasn't maintenance or anything like that. Um, but I've never 
I've never heard anything. It was horrible. So God be with their families. That is a terrible way. They're uh, Tennessee National Guard, and they went across the border to Huntsville on a training flight. And um, I used to um, coach baseball. And my co-coach, because um, we didn't, you know, we both coached the team off and on because we were in the military. So each one of us, when we could, would be there. And it was only usually one of us. Uh, he was a slime dog cheating and stuff with his wives. He always wanted me to come over and party with him. And I was like, yeah, that's not me. Um, but he would tell me the things they had to do because he was maintenance. He was chief warrant officer four and shut the helicopters off and turn them on. So maybe that was it. They didn't crank because that was something they had to do to Apaches. They go to high elevation, shut the engine off and turn it back on. Um, it was part of the test. And he said it was scary as shit. He, he did it once a month. He had to do it. They do it for one of their birds. And you just got to hope it turns back on. Um, and maybe that's what happened. It just never turned on. But from my untrained eyes, I don't see a rotor. You would see a black especially at that speed, and uh, you don't see anything. So let's get into um, things only Democrats can say. I was going to play music on this, so maybe I will in the background as we talk about it. But here's our first, what Democrats can only do. This whole talk about AIDS makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you talk? Wait. That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like child bearing or are you talking about prime for being president? What- yeah, that's uh, probably not acceptable. He tried to back it off. The reference I made to a woman's prime this morning was inartful and irrelevant, as colleagues and loved ones have pointed out, and I regret it. A woman's age doesn't define her. Blah, blah, go fuck yourself. Um, they got bipartisan Janice Dean, Pete Dominic, more classic and egregious sexism from Don Lemon. Uh, Nick Gillespie, Gillespie, if you look it up, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20, 30, 40s. Prime for what? Oddly, Nikki Haley candidacy will last longer. The less scrutinized her record, see next tweet. And his next tweet was dogging her. Women past the 40s are no longer in the prime. Are people just catching up to the offensive nonsense, Lemon would say? Uh, Josh Dossie, isn't 51 actually quite young? Only a liberal could say it. She replied, told him he's a fucking sexist. I mean, I don't like Nikki Haley, and I don't think Nikki Haley is going to win anything. I don't even know why she's running. But this is the left. I mean, this is what they do. If you're a person of color and you're on the other team, you're a piece of shit. Mary Trump, first of all, fuck you, Nimrata Haley. Second, you're a racist, anti-American sellout. Third, my friend, 
Something something has more integrity, intelligence, passion to DC in one fingernail than you have in your entire being. Finally, Nikki Haley, you will never be president. Nimrada. I, for one, am shocked to see this kind of racism coming from the Trump family. Somebody said smart-assly. Mary Trump being a racist was the most predictable plot line this season. Trump of another feather. Noah Bloom, you're exactly like your shit racist uncle. Hey, it's a family tradition. Um, Asha Raga Paga Fuckadaka Scumabissa. Where the hell's that? Right? Is that why you went... You're going with Nimrata, Nikki. The left saw one. She whitewashed her name. Proud daughter of Indian immigrants who identify as white on her voter registration in 2011. I hope she gets grilled as hard as that as Elizabeth Warren did for Native American. Native, let's do a math problem here. Warren never got grilled. The media, oh, she's one in 24,000th or 2400th. Politico. In 2001, for example, Nikki Haley reportedly listed her race as white on her voter registration card and never publicly explained why. She's also shown a willingness to embrace some of the dog whistles deployed by the current Republican Party. A woman of color has become the first president, prominent Republican to take on Trump. There's no doubt Nikki Haley, the daughter of Indian immigrants, is a trailblazer, but she's had a fraught relationship with race. Unpack her track record and today's recount. And, uh, of course, everybody's like, okay, well, Politico... You wouldn't do that for a liberal. The bizarre political hit piece on Nikki Haley and her race gets some helpful fact check context from Twitter users. Here's some of the uh, fact checks of this garbage. Due to a lack of opinion in the race section in American voter registration forms, South Asian Americans often choose white because none of the options fit their identity. For example, 1990, 25% of South Asian Americans checked white, while 5% checked black. A lot of people posted that because that's the truth. One of the better uses of community notes I've seen on the platform because it's actually true. I've been an Indian living in the shadows for years. Cal, Leg, Asian American, and Pacific Islander caucus has never considered me Asian because I'm Republican. We don't exist in a worldview. I usually bubble in what race I identify with at that moment. Great illustration of social construction of race that Politico feels is knows Asian would be the correct answer for Haley. In the 70 census, Indian Americans were expected to check white and 1990 or 1900s race of man typologies often treated Indo-European as pan-ethnicity. It's, it's all garbage. USA Today of all people. Fact check, Nikki Haley didn't whitewash her name. It's Punajabi. And a lot of them turn it into an American name to assimilate what we used to do. So, this isn't, like, new. I mean... I'm going to take the bumper out of it because I had a a break between the two. And I'm just going to roll this shit straight at you. It's going to hurt, but you need to take your licks. Here is Senator Emanuel Jones being a racist. Whoopi Goldberg being a racist. And the best of Washington Week's Yamichi I'm a fucking racist Alcindor, who's now going to NBC full time because they need more racists over there. 
Racists. I pluralize that. I don't think that's a thing. The left is racist. That's just what they do if you don't toe the line. Place a statue of Clarence Thomas on this grounds. We cannot avoid that conversation, so I'm not going to avoid it either. In the black community, we have an expression, and I don't want to use this label too deeply here because I'm just trying to tell you what we have in the African-American community. When we talk about a person of color that goes back historically to the days of slavery and that person betraying his own community, we have a term in the black community. That term that we use is called uh, Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom is a, either a fictional or non-fictional character. I don't really know the origin of Uncle Tom, but it talks about a person who back during the days of slavery sold his soul to the slave masters. Well, you know, it's kind of crazy because I think of all of the banning of stuff that's going on in this country, mm. banning of books. Books don't kill people. Banning of trans people. I don't know any trans people or of any trans people that have killed people. But they are okay banning that. Yeah. They feel comfortable banning that. And they can't figure out how to ban these guns. Andrew Clyde from Georgia, mm -hmm. um, who um, owns a gun store and has been handing out these automatic weapon lapel pins to co colleagues. There's pictures of them. They walk around with these pins that have the picture of the gun. This is, this is promoting more, more and more gun, gun love, love of guns, love of guns. And that's the kind of society we're in. And many of these people don't seem to understand that their actions are causing kids to die. I don't know a sane, serious Republican, not the people who wear these, you know, things on their um, lapel pin, that think that we shouldn't get illegal guns off the street. What about I fundament fundamentally support Let that. Let me give you a statistic on AR-15. Okay. You have her, to have the, that. It, depending on how you're defining it, because some people kind of use that as a broad swing. Let's define it as the weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. Well, an AR-15, I don't personally see any reason that someone would need to own. I know there's a a lot of sportsmen okay. and collectors who per, who do choose to there, have them. There may be sports. There's you can't shoot anything with an AR-15 well, and get any meat. It's not. I mean, if you talk to experts who are who have seen and studied democracy for decades, that's what they would say. They would say this is a paradigm that needs to shift and that America needs to understand that this is a January 6th that's happening every single day on the local level that is slowly tearing apart our democracy. I will say that I think it is interesting when you look at sort of who is speaking out um, and who the profiles, the quote unquote profiles of courage are. If you're looking for someone to push back on on Donald Trump. If you're a Republican who's thinking about sort of speaking out against this, look, you, you look at Liz Cheney and realize sort of what your future will be in this GOP. I also think it's interesting, Ken, Katie made a really smart point about sort of why would Sean Hannity not want to come talk to the committee? And it's because those same people who were, of course, texting Mark Meadows saying the president, former President Trump needs to stop this, they've now sort of all shifted to sort of this worldview that, no, this is, there was something funky that happened in the 2020 election. There must have been some sort of fraud. That, of course, is a lie. We know it's not true. But Sean Hannity, of course, is someone, along with a number of people at Fox News, um, and a number of, of, of course, establishment, we thought of a, an establishment elected Republican officials, have sort of just decided that they're going to embrace this because their voters um, and President Trump, who has so much power, are sort of requiring for them to have this, um, this lie and perpetuate this lie as part of 
sort of their their world objectively clear that the president has not been focused only on Hurricane Harvey and the people who we now know have died in the storm. On Friday night, of course, we had the parting of Sheriff Arpaio. We had the transgender ban military brand um, coming up. We had, of course, Sepp Gorka quitting. And then he's been tweeting about book. He's been asking people to buy Sheriff Clark's book. He's been tweeting about Claire McCa about Claire McCaskill and going to go visit Missouri. He's been doing all this other stuff where when people, including some of his, the people that I'm sure have voted for him, are now facing what, is we, what we know is historic flooding in Houston. So I think it's, it's in some ways we're seeing a president that cannot focus on a national disaster. And I should say, I just um, was reporting in Galveston, Texas, and my story was focused on climate change and on the idea that middle class and poor people would be some of the first people hurt by climate change. And there's this idea that these storms, these hurricanes are getting worse and worse, scientists say, and that working class and poor people, poor people that know. voted for Donald Trump, that are excited about his presidency, that thought his, that thought his presidency was going to improve their lives, that these are the same people can't afford to get in their car and drive four, five, four or five hours or can't afford a hotel room um, to try to escape these floods. So that's how you find people that are stuck in their homes and are now possibly hurt by the storm. So I think what we're seeing is that people are, are really looking for a president that is focused on them, focused on their well-being. So and we'll see in this press, press conference that's going to come whether or not he's... Um, I don't know if it's just a sign of this moment, but to talk about diplomacy being back, to talk about Joe Biden's empathy and humanity, to talk about diplomacy being back. It is all an implicit rebuke of Donald Trump's foreign policy stewardship over the last four years. That's right. And then just saying that they're going to do their jobs and um, be good stewards of America's role in this world and um, focus on American diplomacy, that in and of itself um, being a rebuke of President Trump is uh, underscores what we've been all been living through in the last four years, which is a president who wanted to be more isolationist, who wanted to pull back. Um, what we saw today, I was, I was sitting in that room in Wilmington, um, I was thinking about the fact that Joe Biden, in some ways, first supporters, is fulfilling the promises that he made on the campaign trail. He said he wanted to have a cabinet that looked like America. And there were people there on that stage, of course, talking about all of their different accolades and their experience, but they were also talking about their families who survived the Holocaust, who survived coming from Cuba and fleeing communists, who talked about um, having gumbo diplomacy, cooking food, cooking Southern food, as, as the mm -hmm. United Nations ambassador was saying. Um, all of those things are what America yeah. is about. It's this melting pot. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years, and now here are the superheroes. And this decision is really seen as devastating to so many women across this country by from four people who are, of course, advocates of abortion rights. I also sat down with Shannon Brewer, who is the director of the Women's Health Organization in Mississippi. That's the clinic that is at the center of this decision. She told me that she believes women's lives are going to be put at risk now because they're going to be forced into unsafe abortions or they're going to be forced to have children um, that they do not want to have. Um, this is an existential crisis in America. Who can actually get the access to vote? Um, Republicans in state legislatures are saying, if you, essentially, um, and critics would say, that if, you don't like, if we don't like the way that, we, that you voted, we will take... The best thing about all of this is that Sonny Hostin, her name's not Sonny, but she's on the right team. See, if you're a non-prog, cis, you're just a piece of shit. That's the world we live in. I mean, continuing with the theme, things you can do 
If you're a Democrat, dun, 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 dun. that's actually not a game show. I realize that's uh, I Dream a Genie. Somehow it combined in my mouth, in my mind. That's what it looks like in East Palestine. And once again, if you are Democrat, you love the other Palestine. But if it's a red state, you don't care. Luke Roswalski, don't worry, just go back to work. The air is safe. U.S. government for 9-11. That is shocking as a picture. But what transpired in just a few days is we're going with it's not their fault. If you are blaming the East Palestine, Ohio train catastrophe on Pete Buttleg or Biden, you're dead wrong. It may actually be Trump's fault. Oh, my God. Ding, 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 ding. Will you get a prize? Trump literally rescinded Obama's requirement that trains carry hazardous flammable materials must have ECP brakes. The National Transportation Safety Board, who investigated this accident, just said that the Ohio train was not with ECP brakes. Ohio Republican Governor DeWine said Biden and Buttleg offered him whatever he needed, but he turned them down. If this regulation wasn't rescinded by Trump, this train would have been required to have ECP brakes, which would have likely prevented this accident. Why are Democrats always cleaning up Republican messes? Instant reply. In this case, Democrats did not clean up the mess. They continued the policy as is. Then they really did not clean it up, did they? They set it on fucking fire. They set it on fire. The other thing is going to be the first soundbite you're going to hear. That is, a problem's not a problem if it happens all the fucking time. And then you have late night comedy, because I will not say his name. I fucking hate him. And if I was an alum of SNL, I'd be, dis- I'd be disgusted that this guy used to work there. He's bad for you because he's so political. You're then going to have a CNN segment about it, which is pretty straight up. And then a person that just drove through it on February 15th. They just don't. Care. Uh, look, rail safety is something that uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. And by the way, rail workers and their unions have been warning for years about deteriorating safety conditions and demanding better work standards. Instead, these massively profitable rail companies poured money into stock buybacks and dividends and lobbied for safety regulations to be repealed. For example, in 2018, the Trump administration rolled back a train breaking rule meant to keep oil tankers from exploding near communities. I mean, of course he did. And... I'm sure we didn't hear about it because it was the same day he tried to buy Greenland or challenged Angela Merkel to a putting contest or drank water weird. We've been done a disservice by movies that taught us evil guys were all geniuses and scientists, and we forgot you can be an evil dummy in a ball cap that doesn't fit. What else did Trump do while we weren't looking? I wouldn't be shocked to read a headline that said Trump rolls back rule meant to keep dastardly villains from tying damsels in distress to railroad tracks. We don't have damsels anymore, and it's very sad. It's very sad. 
because with no damsels, the villains don't have anyone to tie to the tracks, and you see, and now you see the villains, they're just milling about in the train station with their big eyes. And they have a big coil of rope with no one to tie to anything. And one of the villains came up to me, tall guy, evil guy, tears running down his face, and then shooting down his handlebar mustache like it was a water slide. Tears flying up and then down. And he said to me, sir, Please make it easier for trains to explode near communities. So there's a lot of actual policy Republicans could be discussing right now. Like, we could force wealthy companies to pay for cleanups after disasters, or we could impose stiffer financial penalties. We could tax them more and redistribute that money to workers and safety improvements, require electric braking systems, or maybe we could reimpose some of those silly little regulations. Let's go now to Ohio, where residents are expressing outrage after the railroad company at the center of that hazardous train derailment recently skipped a community meeting last night where they were expecting to get answers. Jason Carroll has the very latest on this. Everybody that came here expects a hell of a lot more than what we're getting right now. Frustration, anger, and unanswered questions in East Palestine, Ohio. Are my kids safe? Are the people safe? Is the future of this community safe? The mayor leading the meeting, at times speaking through a bullhorn to answer questions from distressed residents, still worried about returning to their homes, despite evacuation orders being lifted last week. The railroad did us wrong. So far they've worked with us and they're fixing it. But if that stops, I will guarantee you I will be the first one in line to fight that. Officials trying to answer the community's questions. That evacuation has been determined by the Department of Transportation and other subject matter experts based on previous incidents. Everybody satisfied with my answer? As many residents are demanding more testing of air, water, and soil. We're not going to let them stop the testing until you're satisfied. That's where the testing is. Not present at this community meeting, Norfolk Southern Railroad. No, Norfolk Southern didn't show up. They didn't feel it was safe. In the 11th hour, the company that owns the train that derailed sent a statement saying, unfortunately, after consulting with community leaders, we have become increasingly concerned about the growing physical threat to our employees. Okay, well, if you're afraid that somebody from Palestine is going to hurt your employees, what exactly did you do to us? You feel the anger and frustration. I'm scared. For my family. I'm scared for my town. I grew up here. I'm related to 50% of them. Cleanup efforts are underway. The governor telling residents Wednesday the municipal water is safe to drink. His statement comes after new test results from the state environmental protection agency found no detection of contaminants. Officials say the toxic spill was largely contained the day after the derailment and that tests have shown the air quality is safe. They are still suggesting those with private wells get their water tested. I need help. And I'll do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make this right. And Kate, right now we're at Leslie Run. This is a creek that runs through portions of East Palestine. The cleanup effort well underway here. The EPA saying they're going to be here as long as it takes. The residents here, not so sure. Kate. Jason, thank you for that reporting.
not now. But up at the next light? Mm, yes. Is that East Bay? all these people There's a lot of comedy that came out of here, like the Babylon Bee did some stuff, but I just can't laugh because it's uh, it's pretty sad. Um, they came, nobody was there, nobody from the government was there. They just don't care because once again, it's a red state. Why would you care? It's a red state. This happened um, when I was at Cav and I was podcasting with the ice storm. They never lent a hand. They asked for FEMA support. By the time FEMA showed up, they put a bunch of generators and things people actually could use in middle and east Kentucky at Fort Campbell at an airfield. It sat there. It was never used. My business was out of electricity for a week. They were using generators just to ship. The store was closed. I couldn't even get there to help because I couldn't get through Western Kentucky Parkway. It was devastated. Trees, ice. It was a mess. So I went south and worked in Georgia. They don't care. 
Our next segment is, I know I play these every time, but it's just becoming very interesting. The last couple weeks also offer a preview of the passionate opposition he would face, this is DeSantis, on a national stage. Democrats say say that DeSantis' record on race will mobilize their base and could also be a vulnerability when moderate voters down the road. Politimath put one that I, I liked. Start watching for this. Every single thing about DeSantis is cast as weakness. He pushes against woke AP curriculum. This will mobilize the Dem base. Bans porn in elementary school. Culture war doesn't pull well. Attack DEI in school and corpse. Voters don't like that. It seems to me that the voters were well aware of the vast majority of these issues before the election, and they overwhelmingly voted for DeSantis. This is the name, it, and claim it of political marketing. Perhaps that by saying these things, they can make it true. The most overwhelming successful Republican politician in the last two decades is actually incredibly weak and vulnerable. Okay, bro. Another person. My favorite is he's raising too much money to be a good candidate. DeSantis only won because he raised a ton of money. Those are things they actually said because they hate DeSantis. They just fucking hate him because he's Latino. He's not Trump. He holds his shit in one bag. And the worst thing is he is broad spectrum into their demos. Remember, 2020, when he won, him and fucking Trump had the same demographics, more blacks than we're supposed to get, more Latino, excuse me, Latinx, because it broadened. But this little uh, segment of four mostly MSDNC, I think one CNN in here, I said it two months ago. They're going to go balls to the wall to try to tarnish him and brainwash the masses that know what you're seeing isn't good. And let's make the final point, and then I'll stop bumping my gums. None of these initiatives are coming from DeSantis. It's coming from his constituents. It's just like Tennessee. The Daily Wire finds out that Vanderbilt is chopping off dicks and making them vaginas on five-year-olds. People get pissed off. All of a sudden, we find we do have transgender drag show readings and all the crazy shit. People talk to their constituents, like me, or to their representatives, like me. I sent a letter. And they pass laws. That's how the system, that's democracy. What you guys want is autocracy where you're in charge and every one of your f- small mini demo craziness is what everybody embraces and that's not america dude we have watched so many of these school shootings in the five years between uh parkland and east lansing now what happened at michigan state university last night i wonder with all the work that you're doing at change the ref and and um uh, march for our lives all these organizations if students are any safer in schools than they were five years ago honestly no 
students are not safer. If anything, students are even more at risk for the issue of gun violence. For example, in states like Florida, we have people like Ron DeSantis who are focusing on making permitless carry a thing while taking away books from students in schools. We see uh, legislators focus on things that are not as important when the leading cause of death in this country for young people right now is gun violence. Um, so, you know, the work that we're doing is, is not going unnoticed, but we have noticed that young people are still disproportionately impacted by the issue of gun violence. You're in D.C. for the Never Again tour, which is to mark the five years since uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting with uh, other survivors, victims, families. Um, this obviously was planned before the shooting that happened last night. I wonder what you think is possible legislatively now that you're bringing this, this uh, mission to Washington with what we've seen in the change in leadership and control in the House. Absolutely. Right now, we know that assault weapons ban is number one on the top of the list. Most Americans agree that no individual needs a weapon of war or high capacity magazines for that matter. We need things like red flag laws across the country. We need resources in communities that lack mental health access or resources in schools for students. Um, so there's a lot that people in positions of power can do, but they choose to turn their head and, and close their eyes to the issue of gun violence. So Ron DeSantis has clearly made himself kind of the nation's foremost conservative culture warrior. The attacks on education, laws like the Stop Woke Act, act uh, so on and so forth. And that's really how he's building his national brand as a politician, as a potential contender for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. But I think that we have to understand that with DeSantis, he's also trying essentially to triangulate around, uh, downplay his most unpopular views, which have to do with the role of government, with the role of the social insurance state, Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid. Florida, for example, hasn't expanded its Medicaid program under the Affordable Care Act, leaving hundreds of thousands of Floridians without health insurance. DeSantis has written in his books and has said as a as a candidate for the House of Representatives that he would be interested in slashing Social Security, in re restructuring Medicare, these sorts of things. These are very unpopular. These are so unpopular yep. that if people remember uh, President Trump, when he was a candidate, explicitly downplayed and said, I would not do that kind of thing. Uh, and I, although I do think the attacks on education, I think the attacks on LGBT people are very serious and must be. Well, what I learned is that people are genuinely incensed uh, by what the governor's doing. Uh, because for the governor and the college board mm -hmm. to decide to say what part of black history uh, is comfortable to uh, Floridians, basically white Floridians, is uh, as, as offensive as you can get. And they're not limiting just to black studies, uh, but LGBTQ rights as well as women. And uh, we're talking about, uh, uh, and you have Meacham uh, here, you, you, we're talking about a period where uh, we have a history of this, mm -hmm. where you must remember one of the most uh, uh, effective ways of dehumanizing blacks in slavery was it was against the law for us to read and write. 
and then it was against the law for whites to teach us. So education was always something we always saw as our key to yes. coming out of being enslaved yes. because our ability to read and write. Now you're going to limit what we can read and write in AP classes? Like, People won't uh, uh, be able to handle watching movements like the Civil Rights Movement, like the Black Lives Matter Movement, like LGBTQ rights. And it is not to condemn the country, it's to show how the country evolved. He's a yeah. miniature Trump trying to grow and be like daddy, and daddy spanks him, and they're having a little inside fight and a family oh fight, God. but they're the same thing. And I think that the, the, the fear, though, is what you raise. If he can get away with this and cement this in Florida, it will be used in other states because he's basically trying to do a states' rights movement. He's right now polling just behind Donald Trump in the latest Quinnipiac poll. So there's a, there's a hunger for him. He's a certain kind of mean that they like. They like the fact that he's going after black history. And, you know, attacking black people is sort of the easiest way to sort of get on, the, get on first base, you know, with the MAGA faithful, which we knew Donald Trump did as well. Uh, what do you make of the fact that he seems to be putting his whole, put, the whole weight of his appeal on attacking black people? and brown immigrants and gay people and trans people. Ron DeSantis is tapping into the, the bloodstream of a party that wants to take America back 50 years. And he is refusing to show leadership and suggest let's look towards the next 50. There's no other way to approach this. I mean, often overlooked is that one of the first things he did was eliminate majority minority districts. He set up his mm -hmm. own election police force. And of the 20 people he arrested, 15 or 17, I believe, were African-American. He is somebody that now has attacked African-American education. He is attacking any type of liberal arts education as he just did at New College down in the Sarasota area. It is a dangerous move. Donald Trump is uniquely dangerous because he would shred the Constitution. Ron DeSantis is uniquely dangerous on cultural issues and his strive, his strive to take the nation back 50 years. And if you don't think that a, a constitutional amendment banning abortion would be part of it, I mean, it's all of the fever dreams that they can't enact. All right, which takes us to our last segment today, which is going to be very long, and then we'll do a lighter fare. Most of us are middle of the road. Like, I, I'm not for abortion. I want restrictions on it, but I don't want a ban because people are going to do it fucking anywhere or anyway. I don't care about transgender shit. I don't give a fuck you want to be a goddamn unicorn. I just don't want kids. Those are mostly middle of the road things. I, I don't care about immigration until you let 5 million motherfuckers come across and you just open up the door. Like, I kind of thought Trump went a little far, but then you stopped it. And then you said we need to surge the border. That's what Biden actually said. And then you started saying things that sounded very much like the replacement theory. And then you started doing it because you simultaneously voted voting laws where these fuckers could vote. So... Most of us don't have a very strong opinion on a lot of things other than guns. Like, you know, most of us own guns or gun culture. Yeah, you ain't taking my fucking gun. I'm doing everything legal. I do background checks. You know, sure, my AR was bought through a private seller, but he, he had a license and he did a background check. So everything I did was on the up and up. Every pistol was at a gun store. And I filled out, unlike Hunter, my paperwork correctly. So every time some crazy fuckhead that's not supposed to have a gun, but he has a fucking gun because you didn't throw him in jail because he was black, 
Not being racist, it's just the facts, Jack. And you thought equity and shit. You want to take my gun away. Because somehow that's going to fix the next mass shooting. When I'm not going to go do a mass shooting. That's your plan on everything. So most of us really don't. But we, we spend most of our time being told by the mainstream media, and that's everything on the regular air and the two cable networks and all the fucking papers across the fucking land, NFL, Disney, fucking Netflix, Amazon, Microsoft, every social media, that the right is a bunch of extremists, white Christian nationalists, proud boys, mega, uber mega, super duper, Pooper scooper, uber mega, and all these things. And it's night and day. It's ever relenting. Why won't they just let those gay kids be gay? Just like the DeSantis. Voters don't like that. When the majority of us are like, yeah, no, we don't want kids gelded. Yeah, no, we don't believe in all this crazy shit you guys do. We kind of believe in freedom of speech. We don't fucking have a problem if somebody says something that we don't agree with because it's fucking America, dude. And I realized it's that projection again. They are projecting that their opponents, which is just you and me, not necessarily Republican Party, just you and me, normal people with opinion on social media. We must shut you down. I mean, on that me getting banned, fuck, I ran into eight people just this week for the same net noise. Nothing's changed at Twitter. Nothing's changed at Facebook. Google, Microsoft, they've all done the same thing since the 2020 election because 2016, they let the truth get out, get out Hillary and her fucking server, and she lost the election. So they made the, we're never going to let that happen again. And it's saving democracy. They are so fucking extreme. So I decided to lump it all in one category. And today is going to be a shitload of stories, a shit. And once again, just because I started searching, Carlisle's in there, the tranny shit, racial shit. These motherfuckers are extreme. And to start it, warning, 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 dead baby video, Sarah Silverman literally saying, why won't you let us be woke? And a North Korean talking about how fucking fucked up we are and she's a north korean one two three <laughs> <laughs> this guy really thinks is joe biden woke was like a hard-hitting question the real hard hitting question would be, is Joe Biden awake? I don't know. I think we're just communicating wrong because like what I know woke to mean is like learning new things about people or the world and then acting accordingly, like basic kindness, maybe a gesture of care to people who are more you know, you know what? Actually, you wouldn't like it. It's Jesus stuff. But um, they're like, yeah, but I want them to push it on me. Nobody's pushing shit on you. You're acting like a beta cuck. <laughs> like, woke for the 
right is really just an umbrella term so that they don't have to say specifically that they're pieces of shit. Like, it feels cooler to say I'm not woke than the truth, which is I'm terrified of what I don't understand and I only know how to process that as And specifically in the classroom, what has your experience been? What have you seen and, and what is your warning? Yeah, so when I came to America having no idea, I thought somehow this was a free country where individuals can have different thoughts and opinions. When I started uh, university at Columbia University, I couldn't believe because they were exactly saying the same things that my North Korean teachers taught me in that the North Korean remarkable. classroom. Yeah. What specifically? Can you give us some sort of idea of what you were hearing inside the classroom that mm -hmm. leads you to say this? So they said all the problems that we have in the world is because of the greedy capitalism mm -hmm. and also the Western civilization and white men. That was the exact same thing that my North Korean teachers told me that all the evils was because of USA and the capitalism. And at Columbia, professors were saying the only, only solution to all these problems is a communist revolution. We need to dismantle the system in the name of equity. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, your journey is remarkable. As I just mentioned, you came here in 2015 yeah. fleeing your country. Can you give us a little bit of an idea what that was like for you, defecting? Yeah, so I was escaping from North Korea at 13. I did not even know what freedom was. I was literally escaping for a bowl of rice. We were starving. When I arrived in China, I was sold as a sex slave for $20. And they sold my mother for $65. Mm. And while we are speaking right now, there are 300,000 North Korean girls in China who are modern day slaves. Mm. So I've been asking everybody that I met in Hollywood, in mainstream and big tech, like you keep, they keep saying that they are denouncing slavery, that slavery is wrong. And they say that, you know, silence is a violence. So I've been asking them, can you speak up for these women who are victimized, their organs are harvested out of them under CCP. And all these people told me, they said, as if I'm some clueless person, they're all making money out of CCP. Nobody in America wants to stand up for those North Korean people. Well, you are using your voice. You arrive here, you end up going to an Ivy League university. How did you accomplish that in such a short period of time? Uh, I was reading books and books. I was studying myself and using internet. And I was in South Korea and came to America, but I did not expect that Colombia was the place they were going to care my intellectual curiosity. You are obviously very passionate about this, this, this woke ideology that is gripping this nation right now. Mm -hmm. What is your message to Americans who, who haven't woken up to that yet? Yeah, I think that's what I'm here. I'm actually, I have a son, I'm raising a child in mm. America who's American. Mm. And I became American last year. Congratulations. I, thank you. I still remember the interviewer asking me, have you ever persecuted anybody for their political opinion in my citizenship exam? I, I said, no. If I said yes, I could not become American. But I've been censored for speaking out against socialism and getting demonetized by YouTube, shadow banned on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then, I mean, persecuting people for their political opinion is not an American thing. Seems tame, but we'll get there. Because this is everything I usually do is separate. And I want you to look at it as a total mass of nonstop jackassery. Wall Street Journal. Climate crusaders are coming for electric cars, too. A new report makes clear the ultimate goal 
tiny, uncomfortable apartments and bicycles for all. And nothing in here is made up. It's what they want to do. This is their goal. And they're doing it. They're doing it everywhere. We have article, what's social media saying about Fort Bragg? Name changes. And of course, everybody says it's fucking stupid. And then simultaneously after it, you're seeing articles all over the place. Soldiers and sailors need skills to fight propaganda. What propaganda? Are you saying the right? Because I think that's what you're saying in the article. But your propaganda is going to renaming bases for fuck's sake. I mean, bases that have been like nobody cared about ever. But you're doing it now because you care about it. Biden goes out and he says, Last night when I reported that the state of our union is strong because the people of this nation are strong, I was talking about you, the American worker, American middle class, the people who built this country. It's no joke, man. Look it up. Americans don't want more tax cuts for the super wealthy and biggest corporations. That's why I'm keeping my focus on cost cutting for working and middle class families and building an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. A nice phrase, which means, why don't you just skip breakfast, motherfucker? I joked yesterday grocery shopping and the lady had two carton of 18 eggs. I said, man, you're rich. That's a rich person. And everybody laughed because it is. She had a coupon. She's getting it for $4 a carton. $4 a carton. And it's this little thing, but people like Biden, he don't think about that. Did you see the spread he got for his wife on Valentine's? Made by our money. I mean, we make it. They don't buy stuff. They don't even have credit cards. He orders dinner. You paid for it. You took Dr. Jill out. Then we have just the constant racial reckoning. This is from an article about Seattle. What is your equity team? Mission statement. The mission of the racial equity inclusion team is to create a culture of belonging for our Sam Amish community by identifying, challenging, and dismantling white super supremacist structures, practice, and belief, elevating historical marginalized voices and perspective among staff, students, families, and community. Providing resources and professional development. We challenge racism in ourselves and hold each other accountable. That's everywhere, but there's no CRT in school. Then you get the Seattle Times. Because it's everywhere. What's wrong with CRT, motherfucker? That's what the article says. It doesn't break it down, but that's what they're saying. And then this week, I'm sure you saw it, but this, this just sums it all up. Guy wrote down Black Lives Matter a hundred times and went to one of the top schools in the country. Top schools in the country. And then I have a soundbite for the next one, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say it. It all leads to a school where they put everybody in blackface. And the reason they did it is to have everybody feel like what it's like to be a black person. 
What spurred it? I told you. I started looking for articles on this. And I know you can't read it because Daily Mail sucks. New woke biologists claim systemic racism is driving animals out of deprived areas as they're ditching poor ethnic neighborhoods in favor of wealthy white districts. Now, nowhere in this article does it say the reality that, okay, they got better trash. Rich people have better trash than I have. They're probably throwing a lot of food out. And if you have expendable, if you have expendable income, don't you think you feed the wildlife? When we were super rich and I was banking 150 by myself with my pension and my job, I was feeding squirrels like 50 pounds of peanuts a week, corn cobs thrown out there. I mean, I was just, I can go buy hundreds of dollars, the bullshit. I don't do that now. Motherfucker squirrels look at me. They're not, they don't like me anymore. I don't feed them. We had 50 pound bags of fucking black, black oil seeds. We're fucking feeding every bird in the planet. We would be overwhelmed with thousands of fucking starlings because we were rich. But, you know, no, that's not it. It's racism. And this brought me highlight after highlight after highlight. Systemic racism alters wildlife genetic diversity. UW researchers show racism and redlining hurt local wildlife, too. Okay, wait a minute. If we're racist and we're making them not eat poor people food, how is that a bad thing, then? Anybody? Anybody? This one is... Just beautiful. This is an article from uh, Science News Explorers. Racism lurks in many plant and animal names. That's now changing. And I know we covered it once, but that article came up. I didn't even look at it. Then he even had Vox getting in the act. And they came up with, you know, don't be mean to invasive species. They're minorities and it's climate change. Oh, okay. That's good. Rants again. Seattle saying it's ODs is racism. That's what it is. It's not that we made every drug on the planet legal. That's not it. And then this one came up. And once again, type 2 diabetes is pre- predominant in African-American communities. So what's the new thing? Now scientists claim you're more likely to develop type 2 diabetes if you're unvaccinated. Okay. Every liberal in the world is rolling out those stats, but they're making it totally look like it's just happenstance. Not the fact that they locked down all these kids and they put them in terrible places and it made them feel like shit. And then we pushed on top of them this gender shit. So now they're all confused of if their dick means they're a boy or if, you know, vaginas are the only thing that have periods. And then in the middle of it comes this. This. More than 170 New York Times contributors have signed on an open letter condemning the paper's coverage of trans issues. Some of the New York Times recent trans coverages really reminded me of abortion coverage at its worst. The just asking questions style and valuing the comments of doctors and medical professionals equally with anti-trans activists. Some of it, I'm just going to read it. I think I have the letter. Let's just, where's the letter? 
I got it mixed up. Here, the, the, Glad has gone so far, they have the Vegas Porn Club, because that's all I remember ever seeing it, Moving Van Marquee. So to the letter that is too small a font to post, we are disappointed the New York Times chose to use their public response to Wednesday's uh, coalition letter from GLAD and other organizations as an opportunity to attempt to dismiss the well-documented complaint of editorial bias de- detailed in our letter. Times representatives avoiding addressing a substance of concern in the letter by simply alleging that it came to them through GLAD. However, GLAD confirmed to us that they did not deliver a copy of our letter to the New York Times. Additionally, though, we coordinated turning the GLAD letter are very different documents. For example, we are not an advocacy organization. Out of hand, the Times comments dismiss the concerns put to them, blah, blah, blah. Dear Philip, for the attention of Philip Corbett, Associate Managing Editor. We write to you as a collective, need to zoom it up because this fucking font's too small, concern about editorial bias in newspaper reporting on transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming issues. Plenty of reporters at the Times cover trans issues fairly. Their work is eclipsed, however, by what one journalist has calculated as over 15,000 words of front-page Times coverage debating the properties of medical care for trans children published in the last eight months above. You see, it's all or nothing. I'm not going to read the rest of it. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. You will embrace everything they want. One of the signatories is Sarah Kate Ellis. The New York Times is long on her reputation as a leader, blah, blah, blah. From the front page to the opinion page, readers are too often getting an inaccurate view of transgender people and issues. With poor reporting that elevates and equates LGBT opponents' harmful opinions and concerns to actual facts that have widespread scientific and medical consensus. There is no medical consensus that transing a kid does anything. It's so new, there's no studies. The Times' inaccurate coverage has been cited in legal documents. The LGBT community, especially the trans community, is under attack. It's time for the Times to stop this relentless misinformation disguised as disingenuous, just asking questions, reporting, and ridiculous and harmful opinion pieces that do not represent the reality of trans people experiences. It's time for the Times to listen to trans people and LGBT group people only. That's not what you said, but just she's inferring. It's time for the Times to hire more trans and non-binary people. It's time for the Times to see trans as people report on their lives as they would any other human being. The Times must earn back the LGBT community's trust. Start by listening, hiring, and reporting accurately, inclusively on trans people. Anything less than an intentional and meaningful effort to march out and listen to transgender people is unconscionable and unacceptable and a violation of public trust. Misinformation about transgender people and issues isn't just bad journalistic ethics, it's also dangerous and the real-world consequences. Irresponsible time coverage contributes to the current anti-trans climate and gives cover to extremist politicians out to exploit and destroy trans lives. Blah, blah, glad. Joe Kahn told them to go fuck themselves. Go fuck themselves. So let's let's um 
Let's see what you're talking about here. Here is just a smidgen. You will see these people that we need to hire. You'll see a dude talking about women, a dude talking about women, a dude talking about women, a woman in front of a hearing about stopping trans and kids, a mom virtue singling about how great it is to have a trans child. And then the dude that's the Surgeon General, once again, pushing these false equivalencies that it's dangerous to question if it's the right thing to chop off a five-year-old's dick. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big Hi, Miss Luna, activist teacher here again, and I just wanted to share with you guys about how I am starting a new uh, communist lunch program in my classroom. So what I've been noticing is that my white privileged kids, they have much better lunches than my BIPOC students. So I wanted to make sure everything was more equitable in my class. So we started having a communist style lunch. So what I do is I ask all of the kids to put their lunches all together um, every item of their lunch inside of a basket and then at lunchtime I distribute it all equally to them so that they can all have um, a uh, more equitable lunches and I have this one white privileged student and he's always complaining to me that he's getting the hummus and carrot sticks while the other kids are getting the BIPOC kids are getting the six pack of Oreos and I tell him, you know, even though I am doing my best to make this equitable, we also have to make up for 300 years of oppression. So this is a great idea. If you are able to and don't have too much like voice dysphoria in order to record yourself, you'll notice the differences that happen because sometimes you can't really tell unless you unless you hear it like this. That is changing. And you know, the timeline's going to be different for everyone. Oh, look at you with the top surgery. That's amazing. You look great. <laughs> yeah, no lifting Hello. the arms above your shoulders for six Hi, weeks. Asher, and this is my voice. Your voice sounds great. Astro. Three months. Wow. So again, if it's not there at three months, don't worry. We'll Hi, get there. Asher, and this is oh, my dude. Nice. Okay, a lot of cisgender women on my recent videos are really mad at me because I said that being a cis woman was a privilege and they were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Being a woman is not a privilege. That's true. Being born a woman in a patriarchy is not a privilege. You are absolutely oppressed by being a woman and no one's denying you that. The privilege is to be born cisgender. The privilege is to identify with what you were assigned at birth because the world is built to accept you. You don't have the same barriers to healthcare, housing, social acceptance, pay grades that transgender people do. Even though you may not have a great because you're a woman, you don't have it twice as bad because you're trans. Look into Kimberly Cranshaw's work about intersectionality because she breaks it down so much better than I do. And it's Black History Month, so go learn your Black history because this woman is amazing. She talks about how you can have intersecting identities and how you can hold privilege in some identities and marginalization in another. For example, I have the utmost privilege by being a white person, right? But I'm also transgender, and so in other circumstances, I don't have privilege, and those two things intersect. The same is true for being a cisgender woman. I hope it helps.
It's interesting how little cis people actually know about biological sex. Like, your chromosomes dictate everything and you'll never be a real boy or a real girl. Do you know how easy it is to completely change your body with hormones? I grew a penis within my first month of being on testosterone. I started having full-blown boy puberty around month three or four. Trans women can grow breasts exactly like cis women can. Trans women can lactate. Everything you think you know about how bodies are set in stone and can't be changed you're literally just wrong. We understand what's the difference between a male and female. It's you people that don't. You mean to tell me you grew a cock? How big is it? You take the testosterone, you shoot it up, right? Yeah. And then you like, oh man, it's growing. Look, the balls is forming. <laughs> what's probably happening is your clitoris is swollen. You made this argument that a man can take estrogen, grow breasts, and be able to breastfeed. How many kids on this planet was breastfeed by a biological guy taking estrogen? And I want to know what that kid looks like. You are delusional. Oh boy, white cis women, we need to talk. Take a deep breath. And let's talk. Some of you just now reacted to me saying cis. That defensiveness comes from white supremacy culture. It's okay to be all up in your feelings like that, but it's not okay to use your feelings as an excuse to harm others. We need to pause, allow ourselves to feel our feelings and process through why those were the feelings that we had. Then you can address the underlying thought that caused that feeling. Only when we have thoroughly processed our feelings and the underlying thoughts will we be in a position to respond appropriately with kindness and thoughtfulness. You said that you're a trans woman. I trans female, yes, ma'am, sir. Do you have a penis? Are you telling us that you're unfamiliar with the large body of medical evidence of the harm that has come upon people that have gone through these processes? I'm familiar with a large body of evidence that shows that providing good affirming care saves lives. Are you unaware of that body of evidence? I will repeat what I just said. Are you unaware of that body of evidence? I will repeat what I just said. Do you have a penis? That's horrible. Yeah. You're, the one, you're the one that brought that into the discussion. You're the one that I never said anything about genitalia. Oh, it is has there? everything to okay. do with you. I don't know Audience. what my rights are Audience. right now. Audience, if you want to stay in here. I don't know what my rights are, but that question was highly inappropriate. To, you do not have to answer any question. If, you, if you're through, we'll dismiss you. Well, I'm not through with questions, but I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. That's highly inappropriate. Again, that I, you can say that, and, and that's your, your right. So. Okay, I'm a healthcare professional, a doctor. Please treat me as such. Next question, please. Okay, so first of all, I will say that the process, the journey is ongoing and probably will be for potentially her entire life. But here's how it started. So she was uh, designated, assigned, observed male at birth. And until about 18 months, didn't really you know, know too much, just kind of was raising two kids, working full time, not really paying attention to what was going on. And at around 18 months started, she started showing signs of like really being interested in things that her sister had and had in her closet and wanting to play dress up and wanting to put on lip gloss. And when she would see fingernails, she would want her fingernails painted too. And, you know, we just, we thought it was cute. No issue. We had no issue with, you know, her wanting to do those kinds of things. 
Um, and then around the age of two, things started to progress at a quicker pace. And so each time that we would go to pick her up from preschool, she was fully outfitted in dresses and jewelry. And so I will say I was super stoked that we had such a wonderful childcare center that she was in because she was allowed to, you know, experiment with her gender and play dress up and do those kinds of things and have access to them. So when I would go to pick her up from preschool, like I said, she would be dripping in, you know, just jewelry and clicky shoes and all kinds of stuff. And getting her to take that off to go home was usually a pretty gnarly struggle. Uh, and then pr around the age of four, she started wanting to wear like leggings and headbands. She had this one headband she was completely attached to that she felt, I, I look back on it now and think to myself, gosh, I wonder when she put that, that headband on, she thought to herself, people see me for who I am. No one's going to misgender me now. Um, and so it, it progressed. It just kept moving in that direction with more and more things that started showing more and more signs. Um, she would say, when I wake up tomorrow, I'll be a girl. And we were kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. And my husband and I would be like, we got we to gotta figure this thing out. And so kind of for that final test, my husband decided, you know what? We're going to figure this thing out. We're, we're going we're gonna to tap into this and see what happens. So he said, you know, I'm going to coach a t-ball team and I want her to be on it. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. Well, that didn't go over so well. She not only hated T-ball, she hated the uniform. She hated the hat. We found everything in the trash multiple times. Um, she was, a, you couldn't get her out the door uh, to go play on Saturday mornings. And so uh, eventually I thought at one point, well, okay, well, what if I let you wear your leggings and a tank top underneath? And we can, as soon as the game's over, you can take your uniform off. And she was like, okay. So she wore the headband. She didn't wear the hat. She wore the headband. She wore the clothes underneath her uniform. And she would go to the game and she would stand there. And as soon as it was like, game over, she would rip those clothes, you know, that uniform off and stand and proud in her tank top and her leggings. Um, and very shortly after that, she told us she was a girl. And we believe her. So I encourage all of you to think of yourselves as ambassadors to your communities. Ambassadors for science. Ambassadors for compassion and ambassadors for care. These conversations don't have to be limited or restricted to a medical setting. Offer yourselves as informational resources, not just for youth, but for school teachers, principals, school boards, professional organizations, recreation centers, county commissioners, and others who would benefit from this information and your perspective. Please proactively seek opportunities to speak about what you know. Our task is to educate the public in as many forms as possible. And we need to have these conversations that question the assumptions that are underlying today's attacks on trans people. Pushing back the veil of ignorance demands this extra effort. And this is, a, this is the challenge before our profession. For almost 40 years now, I have considered an honor to be a doctor. I believe in our role as healers. I believe in our role as truth tellers. And the truth that we need to confront now is that medicine and science are being politically perverted around this country that destroys human lives. And we have reached a tipping point for the role in medicine and civic life for the health and well-being of LGBTQI plus youth and other Americans. Those who attack our community are driven by an agenda of politics. It has nothing to do with medicine. It has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with warmth, empathy, compassion, or understanding. They are rejecting the value of supportive medicine, rejecting well-established science, and simply rejecting basic human compassion. We as doctors and as people who love our communities and love our nation have to confront 
the, the fact that the language of care and compassion that they're using is being taken to granted to literally tear our communities apart. So we have to stand up. We have to take a stand on behalf of those who are being hurt. That's what we do in medicine, even when it's difficult. Here's our buddy, Will Carlisle. Well, I don't even know what to say after those. How time I just kind of move on with the show and people probably wonder why. What do you say about all that shit? That mother alone is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Then the attorney general is a second disgust. That dude doesn't even try to look like a woman. That's like me dressing up in a dress. How do you take people like that seriously? It's almost impossible to take any of this seriously. And then they're upset because here we go again with the books. The books. We're, we're just doing the books. We're, we're fucking all the time with taking books and putting books. And why are they getting rid of the books? Why are they doing all this? Why are they trying to erase who I am as a person? A bill in Kansas proposal, at least seven other states have LGBTQ right advocates worrying about sweeping Republican-led effort to erase the legal existence of transgender people. No, it isn't. They're just saying for decency, we don't want to see your assless chaps. Do it on your own time and stop transing the kids. That's all people are asking. That's it. In my thing, look at the fucking teacher talking about communism. This is what they're doing in schools. And you wonder why people are saying enough. People are saying enough because they're done. Here is a Tennessee counselor. Before you can get it, you have to have one counseling or you have to see a counselor. This Tennessee counselor offers letters in a little as one meeting as few sessions are possible. Young, confused people are being rushed through transitioning with surgeries, and his name is Matthew Lezinski. And in it, he admits, let me get it to fucking flip back. This particular service provides transgender and gender diverse knowledgeable assessment and referral letters for gender affirming medical procedures such as hormone therapy or surgery. Most uh, assessments can be completed in one to three sessions. You're deciding on keeping or removing genitalia of a child that quickly. We also find Levine, public records show Rachel Levine discussing potential revenue and ROI associated with having a gender clinic social worker. These emails from 2018 are between Levine and Roland M. Osen, MD. Roland was affiliated with Penn State's Hershey Children's Hospital. Less than 3% of trans kids detransition and of those who do most only because they have face from goons like you. And that's what people are playing. That's just completely not true. Sam Smith got complaints in Britain. That's all I got to say. Checkmate. Checkmate, motherfucker. Checkmate. A thread by Heather B., gender-affirming care. 
me. Maybe we should discuss what studies done in Finland, Sweden, and the UK have found about giving blockers and other drugs to children. Them. How dare you try to erase trans people? Being concerned about the long-term effect and the general efficiency of drugs and our surgery on children and teens does not and should not be considered a controversial thing. It's utterly insane to me that this even has to be said. It reminds me of tobacco companies and their fake studies that cigarettes were not unhealthy. I have no issue with an adult doing whatever the fuck they want to with their own bodies. I do have a problem with using propaganda and deception to get adults to allow children to be used as test animals. When my daughter was 17, she wanted to have breast reduction surgery. She couldn't get it because three different surgeons said she was too young and her body would continue to change. They recommended waiting until she was 22. She couldn't get a tattoo or go to an orthodontist appointment without my permission until she was 18. But TRAs think we should be able to let kids as young as six do this. Next thread. Let me zoom it up. This is a thread we never expected to write. We sat down with NCAA woman swimmer Riley Gaines, and she shared some info about Leah Thomas. So we did some digging, and now we have a lot of questions. Is this what the NCAA thinks a woman is? Warning, what we found is jarring. Leah Thomas appears to have two Instagram accounts. His public account, Leah K. Thomas features a small handful of generic photos promoting messages like, let trans kid play. Then a private account, Leah Thomas. In our research, we found the observant Where's Wamo, who identified multiple IG posts about AGP, autogephanelia, that Leah Thomas alleged engaged with AGP is a male propensity to be sexually aroused by the thought of himself as a female. Perhaps more troubling, however, all, all of Leah Thompson's self-admissions of being AGP through the form of repeated likes, autogophilia, a form of sexual response, and biological males characterized by sexually aroused looking at themselves as women. A similar image, and I'm not even posting these because they're very graphic, like by Thomas is still found on the Instagram account of Gene Worski, Leah, alleged romantic partner. It is a dude with himself. Gwen, who identified Leah as his girlfriend, is also a transgender woman. According to GoFundMe for Gwen's breast augmentation, he's also an unlicensed social worker living in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Unlike the private Leah Thomas account, the account of Leah, alleged romantic partner Gwen Miskeffy, is open to the public as an estro went gone. Meet Gwen. That's Gwen. Besides posing in front of a bondage gear and in a bikini with gentle bulging, Gwen posts dark and satanic artwork. One liked by Leah Thomas, wrongly uh, joking that Leah will bring about the collapse of Western civilization. Another Leah as a demonic dominatrix.
Are Gwen and Lee an exclusive couple or in a polaris sex pod? One user, Cryberry Halibitch, writes, Nice, poly, cute. Liked by Gwen on a photo of Leah, Gwen, and two other trans people in the post. Gwen tags a third member via stuffed animal in bed with Leah. Gwen has also posted photos with one member from the transgender polycule post and a third additional person who identifies as a mean transsexual, according to their IG bio, each kissing one another on a trip to the beach. Sorry for for that one. That's kind of gross. Perhaps normalcy could be found in Leah's wider social circles, like this friend crybaby hella bitch who posed beside Leah in multiple group photos. Or not. I'm not posting any of these. They're sexual. One of the more shocking things we discovered, Gwen posted a series of photos of himself and Leah with the caption, supportive crybaby hella bitch commented ballless beauties, which Gwen and Leah Thomas both liked. Polly cute IG posts. Gwen posts a mysterious round-shaped organ. Look them clear ball jar. It's his testicles. These disturbing images raise serious questions about how the NCA defines what a woman is. Check out our interview with Riley Gaines. Now, once again, I don't care what you do in your private life, but it's very interesting that they sterilize who he is to push that she is a woman. And he even does that. Now, we covered the article. I don't know if I have the. I didn't I didn't grab this tweet. That kind of sucks. Um Barbara Lou and she is a bleeding heart liberal who decided to read that article we covered of the whistleblower about kids in the clinic. From her tweets I'm a bleeding heart liberal from San Francisco Bay Area. Coverage of this issue has made MSM intolerable. I first turned into Fox News to see an interview with Abigail Schreier, later to hear firsthand accounts of young detransitioner. Barry Weiss gets it right. I was a rare right-winger raised in California Bay Area. Dad taught me about communism home in the 80s since he already knew I wouldn't learn it in my left of schools. By far, most of what you've been taught about right-wingers, complete propaganda, I promise you. That was his final comment. He got attacked. Here is the person talking about coming out about the truth. You're putting these parents in a non-winning situation. You're putting their seriously distressed child in front of them, the child who believes that if they could have just had this medication these hormones last week, that their entire world would now be rainbows and glitter. And you're putting that kid in front of the parent and the parent is then put on the spot. And the parent is who's going to have to go home with the kid at the end of the day. So none of the way that the system worked was actually looking out for how do we 
How do we build this family up and keep them intact and whole? How do we empower the parents to be parents and to be able to say no? And the thing that really irritated me often is when the parents would say no. To me, parent says no, you back off. You're done. We're not talking about this anymore. And that was not what happened. The parents said no. These doctors would push and push and push and push. And every single visit, it would be push some more. And they would talk in the team meetings about how, oh, we just, like, they were just convinced, like, if we could just convince them, if we could just make it happen. And there were also plenty of parents who straight up said to us when they were giving consent, they would say things like, you're going to do this anyway. I don't really have a choice. I feel like I've been bullied. They would straight up tell us this. I feel like I have been bullied into saying yes. And somehow the doctors thought that that was a true good consent. Once again, I don't post this or cover it because I care. Do I think they're all a bunch of goddamn freaks? Fuck yeah, I do. Big time freakages. But this is America. You can be a freak. I'm sure some of the shit back when I was younger or what I liked in pornography or anything is freakish. But you're pushing it on kids. The left is the extremist. They go too far on everything. And then when you push back, you're a fucking bigot. You're a transphobe. A homophobe, a sexist, a racist, an ableist, an istist. But they're only pushing back because you keep pushing so hard. And then we get to Will Carlisle. And I, I, I wanted to close on this for this little section because it pretty much sums up the left. Not in the slides. Fetterman checks into a hospital for treatment of clinical depression. A spokesman for the first-term senator from Pennsylvania who had a near-fatal stroke last year said his depression has grown severe in recent weeks. I forgot to grab this. I'm going to grab this. I'm going to do it live. I'm fucking doing it live! This is what the media is doing. And this is, you got to understand, this is Sam Stein. John Fetterman isn't the first senator to suffer from depression, but he's probably the first to publicly acknowledge he's getting treatment for it. Would that be the angle of a Republican who just had a stroke, who said he was doing fine, just all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, went into a hospital? Would that be the angle? Anybody out there? Bueller? Ferris Bueller. Does anybody think that would be the angle? Fuck to the hells no, that wouldn't be the angle. But that's the angle they're taking because he's a damn. They wanted the slot. They needed the slot. So be damned that he was not mentally or physically or capably able to do the job. That's not important. It's all about power. He was a yes vote. 
it would give them what they needed. So will Carlisle, because there is no white supremacy, there hasn't been anything since January 6th, him and a bunch of this misinforming crazy fuckers decided to re-bring back an attack from Charlotte in 2017. You probably remember this photograph. It's one of the more iconic of the awful images of the Nazi torch march at UVA in August 11, 2017. The man in the center was elated to see himself on the cover of paper across the country. Today, I can tell you, he is dead. Teddy Jan Newcomb, that is his real name, he changed it in 2012, was identified as a torch-wielding man almost immediately by a former classmate who saw the viral photo. She told reporters she remembered him having an unsettling entrance in Nazi Germany. After the night, the writing text messages, Crystal Campbell, there were plenty of violence on the 17th, but the only assault Nukem could be referred to, the bloody business in the garage, is the beating of a Durante Harris, a young black man assaulted by a half a dozen men in a parking garage. Jacob Goodwin, Daniel Gordon, Alex Ramos, and Tyler Davis were all convicted of malicious wounding for the roles in the assault. Two other participants, known only as Sunglasses and Red Beer, were never found. No one ever looked for a seventh assailant. These photos taken by blah, 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 all of this, bringing it up, the video, which answers this question asked the traditional worker party, Matthew Helmick, during the Signs v. Kessler trial, there was indeed a TWP member chasing after Mr. Harris and, and relitigating something that's from ever ago. Showing the video. Southwest Missouri man identified as this. And this is from 2017. Um, the parking garage beating lasted 10 seconds. Durante Harris still lives with damage. Will Carlisle, seeing this, then brings up replacement theory fuels extremism and shooters. Now a top Border Patrol agent is spreading the replacement theory because he went on and said, it looks like they just want to replace everybody. Is this a replacement theory you're looking for, Will? Because this is what is happening. You guys wrote about it after you lost the election. All of you thought this was okay. Your party wanted people to rush the border. We need to surge. Your party, Will Carlisle from USA Today with no followers on Twitter, wanted all these illegals to get free health care. Not American citizens, illegals. That's what you wanted. And now you're regurging shit from the past because you can't find 
any current cases to fit your point that the rights, the one. How about doing a USA USA Today article on why the fuck there's so many white people getting beaten in the streets? Why the fuck is there so much crime and looting and blue cities are doing nothing to stop it? Why the fuck there's so many black men grabbing guns and mass shooting? Understand, the last five have been minorities. Your lefty usual argument, and it's white guys. White guys do all the killing. And then this was everywhere. U.S. Today, WAPO. What's in a name? Why the Weaponization Committee is extraordinary. A Democrat called the committee menacingly name, and if you compare it to other such committees' name, it's hard to disagree. What about the continual investigations into Trump? What about you guys looking for the people that beat up some dude in a garage, but you won't look up the people that beat up people every day on the street and you guys just don't care? Final two thoughts. Number one, here is Sam Smith coining a new phrase, Fisher them. Big fan of fishing. I do love no. fishing. Yeah. Yes, I do. What? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to be a fisher, fisher them. What, like a fly fisherman? I'd, I'd, be a, I'd be any type of fisher them. I think I would like to, one day I'd just like to end my days fishing. Like we can solve that. Do you yeah. fly fishing? Or I do it on the sea and I do it in lakes. I've never done it alone. So cool. Someone's always taught me. It will be a priority that you say that on Twitter by the end of the week. If you say fishermen, you'll get banned. And then last but not least, this happened this week to Joss Hawley. And then we'll go straight into our lighter fare, which will be John Wick 4. And highlights from the duels last night in NASCAR. A person, a crazy lefty white woman, charged the stage. And I ask you once again, in the motif of what we have for media, if a person charged Omar Talib, Chrysler, their fringy representatives, would that make the media go, we have a problem with violence? I say it would. And what do our leadership One trillion dollar every year in the state, your state of Missouri is over half the people are in poverty. China is not our enemy. The climate crisis is. We need to be
this hit goes out to you, Mr. Wick. Woke up this morning. 42 regular, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Challenge him to single combat. If you win, you'll have your freedom. And when I see you, I'ma take what I want, so... Amen. Yeah. You ain't real, hope y'all... Y'all feel the wrath of a killer. Many try, many die, to you want a war. Get it bloody. <laughs> the only way John Wick will ever have freedom and peace is in death. Yeah, not really. A lot of cars. Austin Hill is in it, one of those open cars. And he's got to get going. He's got a lap on Connor Daly, but might be exactly what he'll Connor have to Daly. get going to make the 500. And things got a little too rowdy there. Riley Herbst involved. There's the push. And there's the turn. Caution is out for the second time in duel number two. Those are things that we do with that skew in the rear end. Finally, it was too much. Kyle couldn't hold on to it. Bam, bam, bam. One too many. That happens at 193 miles an hour. Here you can see the nose popping out and then back in. And when it does, it just hooks yeah. the eight car. Yeah, when he got him sideways once, he got down correct. Two Fords on the outside, Ford Chevy on the bottom, and Gilliland got loose after Boy, a bump from Larson. Kyle Larson better go give him a hug and a kiss on the cheek after this. That saved his front row stop. This Everybody awesome. gets squared away. This isn't over yet. No. Alvarola way out in front of Cindric, who's going to have a chance here. Need his back up. Does he yeah, take on it? Yes, he, I think he is right now. Nah. I think he just stays in the gas. You don't really have a choice. You can't take a chance on trying to back up to him at this point. Off turn four to the line. Almirola making bacon. How about that? Oh, man. that How about that save from Todd Gillen? That saved him and a lot, whole lot of other cars. Wow. Incredible save for Gilliland, who ends up seventh, while Almirola. Really looking forward to that. Uh, next installment in Sam Wick, and I hope Sunday is a good day, day for my Noah Gregson or Martin Truex or somebody other than the Fords. Um, listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, I don't like them, 
Danny Hamlin, but um, his podcast is so informative, and I just didn't know about all the aerodynamic advantages that Chevy had, and it looks like this year Ford will be a lot better. And by last night's uh, race, the Fords were in the front, so we'll see. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K. Rumble, 482-467 and foppodcast at gmail.com to tell me to go fuck myself. A very interesting intertwined concept. Uh, Whoopi saying that guns, uh, you can't shoot anything with a gun. That's very fucking interesting. All the comments about what DeSantis is doing when you're doing all of it. Um, It's clearly obvious from front to back, soup to nuts. Uh, The left expects you to adhere to all their orthodoxy and if you don't you will be crushed and we're seeing across the board in the country um i think the best soundbite i played all day was that north korean shadow ban demonetized i mean i posted two podcasts on youtube i was gone remember we're a little show like this that maybe max i get is 50 to 70 people listening to a episode We're gateway drugs to white supremacy. You're a Christian white nationalist by believing in God and a closed border. You're a demon Nazi ultra mega if you don't want to trans kids. That's the whole New York Times article. That's every article on trans now. If you don't believe kids who can't do anything else aren't able to go by themselves and get an abortion at 12 years old and trans themselves at five or six. You're a Nazi. And the most amazing principle in all of this is maybe 10%, maybe 18% are for this, Democrats. Gay people aren't even for this. That's why there's Gays Against Groomer and all sorts of other websites. I mean, it's just... Hard to fathom that this is um, this is now our country. It's just bizarre. And it just keeps getting worse and worse that you can dog a minority woman. And that's acceptable. He won't lose his job. But they try to fire Tucker every night for talking about anything. So... The hypocrisy in language continues, and I've said it a million times on the show, and I'll say it to the day I die. We will not have a free country without a free press, and we don't have a free press anymore. You can go to Fox and just get told right stuff, but everywhere else is demanding you give up your beliefs, your norms, and embrace whatever the left's cooking. And they're cooking some freaky-ass shit. So we'll look for our next show to be um, Tuesday, the 21st. Uh, I got a doc appointment in the morning, and I'll come back. Uh, new Percocet shows are always the better. I know I, I'm trying to quit dipping. Um, it inflames. It's gotten worse since I got the gallbladder removed. For some reason, it really inflames my stomach. Um, I've had a four-day bender of just it doesn't matter what I put in my body. It doesn't like anything. And I think it's readjusting to the new reality. So uh, unlike the time before I was just a gigantic pussy, I'm coming down here and I'm still podcasting. But my stomach hurts like shit. And uh, 
I have to eat every three hours something, but I can't eat a lot. I realized what I did wasn't what I ate. It's how I ate. I ate too much food because I was feeling great. And like I had a six-inch sub. There was no food rejection, but the next day I was not happy. So it's still a dance, and I'm still trying it. When walking this morning, those that follow me on Instagram, I literally couldn't even take a photo. It went from 70 degrees to 32 with 30-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, I had my face covered, the hood up, and I was still walking in the wind like this, getting sandblasted with snow um, that didn't stick. Well, it stuck to my face, but it didn't stick anywhere else. So interesting Weather in Tennessee always is. But anyway, as always, disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. Tune in Tuesday. And thanks for listening. Uh.